Hello, and welcome to RBC Disruptors, our ongoing conversation about how we can reimagine the Canadian economy in this time of unprecedented change. I'm your host, John Stackhouse. Regular listeners will know that we've been focusing a lot on how entrepreneurs and companies can use the digital revolution to help rebuild themselves coming out of the COVID crisis. Now I know digital is not a panacea. It's not going to save every business, but it can accelerate change and scale results. Successful disruptors know this. They know digital is not so much about tools, but about a mindset, the 10X mindset. That may seem far-fetched for the restaurant industry, which has been crushed by COVID. Many owners, many patrons too, just want them to open their doors again. But what if restaurants could reimagine themselves? It's what Kevin Edwards is trying to build through Skip the Dishes. He's a career marketing executive who is now CEO of Skip, based in Winnipeg. And if his strategy plays out, food delivery won't just disrupt the restaurant model. It will help foster a new one that we can all enjoy, whether it's pasta or wings, on a patio or at your door. Kevin? Welcome to RBC Disruptors. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Probably most of our listeners have heard of Skip if they're not an active user already. I suspect a lot of them don't know it's a Canadian company and certainly that it's based in Winnipeg and that you've got thousands of employees in Winnipeg. It's such a great Winnipeg story, but a really strong Canadian innovation story. Give us a quick history of the company. It really is a remarkable Canadian story and we are a brand that enjoys the leading market share in Canada. It was started in Saskatoon about six years ago, started small, a couple of founders with some great vision, and then moved the business knowing that the model needed to be proved in a larger uh, location. We moved to Winnipeg. It's the next biggest city. The restaurant community here is the perfect place because it is so strong. The restaurant community was a perfect place to build the business and to test all of the theories and the premise about how food delivery could exist. You know, I don't think that Skip would be where it was or where it is today if it were built anywhere else. And they grew the business to the point where they sold it in 2016 to Just Eat uh, out of London specifically, which enabled the business to receive significant investment, which allowed us to scale uh, to where we are today. I'm glad you mentioned scale because that comes up in almost every episode. And it is the epic Canadian challenge being a market of 38 million people. How do we ensure that a great startup with strong technology, strong culture, great employee team stay here and get to that scale, even if it means using international capital? So that's a really good question. There's two points I want to make. First, in the early days, Skip was, it was funded well enough to get it to the point where it could be sold. And they weren't able to immediately attract the capital that you would think would be available out of Silicon Valley or some of the big you know, VC firms in the US because it's in Winnipeg. In order to attract attention, they also launched in the US that gave them a, a certain amount of credibility, but credibility was never lacking in Canada. The business was able to only accelerate and scale after it was sold. The other point I want to make is it is the obligation, and I feel that very strongly, and all of us feel that very strongly here in Winnipeg, to create the condition for the next skip. Kevin, here we are, what is it, five months into the pandemic, it sometimes feels like five years 
You've been at the epicenter of so much given all of our dependencies on food delivery. Tell us about the early days, early weeks of the crisis. It felt like in the early days that this was going to be a a shorter term issue, not so much the pandemic, but just how we were going to be reacting and how our businesses were going to have to change in the short term. And, you know, here we are uh, early July. And if I go back to that first sort of week and a half in February, where we knew that we were going to have to react, I'm not sure any of us really knew or felt like we were going to have to react with the speed that we needed to. We all got together as a leadership team at Skip, and we made a decision within a matter of minutes discussing all of the options for us. You know, it's, it's important to note that we are a 24-7 business, virtually 24-7. Within about 72 hours, we had 1,500 Skip associates working from home. We didn't even know we were going to be in business. The mayors of each municipality and began very quickly to say, you know, we need everyone to stay at home and, you know, ordering order food or stock up or order from your local grocery store, but please stay home. So that obviously enabled our business. And just quickly walk us through the process of those critical hours. Were you waiting or, or calling mayors across the country or is there an association of companies like Skip that would deal with municipalities? How did you come to terms with, it must have been hundreds of decision points for you across the enterprise? There was really only one decision point. That was without knowing what the future was going to look like or whether we were going to be allowed to exist, it was get people home, be able to operate that evening, that Friday evening and through the weekends, because weekends up to that point were always our busiest time. We were never really in consultation with any municipality. Most mayors and most of the premiers did a very good job in the beginning being very directive, and we took our cues from them. I mean, of course... You know, we were on pins and needles for that first week, not understanding whether we would be shutting down. And and of course, like every other business, began to discuss what that would look like. But thankfully, for our restaurant partners in particular, uh, most of all, that's our ecosystem, we were allowed to continue and, you know, be bringing them, you know, orders at critical time and all the way through the pandemic. What happened to volumes in the days and weeks after that March 13th pivot? It wasn't immediate because we saw a a significant dip in the first 10 days, two weeks. You know, there was so much concern about the virus and limiting your exposure that it did occur to us that our contractor, uh, our couriers may not be able to, you know, go from restaurant to homes. And so we helped ourselves very early on by sending signals to government and those determining policy that we would react appropriately. We launched a contactless delivery within the first 10 days, suspended cash, began to work with our restaurant partners to ensure that all uh, packages were sealed appropriately. But when the municipalities began to say, please stay home and order your food in, we began to see a ramp up in orders. And not only the order volume, but it is average order value size has increased. More people at home ordering at at the same time. And as the pandemic progressed, other categories were looking for a way to reach their customers, you know, alcohol delivery and specialty grocery, all of those added to our volume. This is the one point that we have been making as as much as we can when asked about how Skip has been affected positively. It was also our responsibility at that moment to support restaurants. When you close front of house and they're only existing on delivery, there is no way that they could be doing that and be financially viable. So 
you know, realizing that we were going to benefit in some way, we needed to immediately look to the restaurant industry and find a way to support them. And so we reacted very quickly with a support package. The one point I make is this is our ecosystem. We as a business do not exist beyond COVID if we don't ensure that a very strong restaurant community, both branded and independent restaurants exist. And if you're like a lot of businesses, you probably had a five-year plan that you had to compress into five weeks during the pandemic. It's amazing how much has accelerated. And we're seeing that acceleration in the food delivery business. How do you see the landscape shifting through the pandemic? And where does Skip fit into that new landscape? I think, well, first of all, there has been, at least for Skip, I refer back to the ecosystem that we exist in. We do not exist without strong restaurant partners. So we have had to adapt to this new reality in the way that we support them. And we have pledged a nearly $24 million uh, thus far to support restaurants, keep people working. The pandemic in that way has helped us focus more on how to sustain the industry, not only during the pandemic, but beyond. How can we encourage more restaurants and ultimately more categories to join the network. You know, the next category will probably be soft goods, obviously, uh, grocery and others. Convenience has been very, very strong for us. Consolidation was inevitable. And one of the points I, you know, I need to make is I don't know of another delivery platform that has found its way to profitability and is only through the technology you're able to do that. You know, there's a lot of big players and now we are excited by our new ownership uh, group, which is Just Eat Takeaway. We've now just announced that we are uh, merging with uh, Grubhub in the U.S., which has created a very, very strong North American business and brand. So who's going to benefit? I, To be honest with you, I think everyone is going to benefit ultimately. How does that growth within your own family of companies affect where Skip is going? I think what is... Very attractive about Skip is that we enjoy uh, the highest market share in Canada. Now, to be able to work closely with another successful North American brand, Grubhub, their business is a bit different in that Skip's business is almost entirely delivery. There are two aspects of the delivery business. It's marketplace, which is where you have customers visit your platform, you send an order to a restaurant, and they self-deliver. Our business is almost entirely, we take the order and send it to the restaurant, and then we send our contractor courier. Their business is a mix of both, though. I'm really excited about, you know, the opportunity to partner and to be a uh, North American business. Having access to delivery services is often just the first step in digitally transforming the restaurant experience. It's something that the Joey Restaurant Group learned the hard way. When COVID closed their dining locations, they lost 90% of their revenue. But the team innovated and found three new sales channels that are helping them stay afloat. My name is Al Jessa, and I'm the president emeritus of Joey Restaurant Group. Well, how has COVID affected Joey's is uh, we used to have 90% of our sales as in-house dining. And so when our restaurants shut down, we lost 90% of our sales. We had to fight for sales. So it was really about creating channels. You know, we had a very small segment, 10% segment of takeout sales and delivery sales. And that was the only channel we had left. And then we put together this Joey market. We started selling meal kits and drink kits. We started selling ingredients. 
you know, they used to line up at a grocery store, but they could get it delivered. And then the last thing we did was we started experimenting with ghost kitchens. And that's just to get into areas where we don't have physical locations. I'm just seeing what's happened through this pandemic is customers have learned new habits. Like how many of us had delivery apps on our phones? You know, how many of us previous to this were going to restaurants for takeout? Now we've created this new habit. Everybody has a DoorDash app or a Skip app or you know, Uber Eats app on their phone. So people are now using it. They're comfortable using it. I think those are here to stay. The innovation needed to go from dining room only to delivering meal kits is amazing and exactly the kind of thing I expect we'll see more of in the future. So Kevin, we hear a lot about ghost kitchens, which is a catchy name because it sounds like something out of sci-fi. How big of a phenomenon do you think they will be in the food business? Like virtual kitchen, as we prefer to call them, they don't have front of house and uh, some don't even have takeout. We will continue to see growth in this area. If you think about how a restaurant has existed the past four or five months, that has been you know, virtually. If they weren't doing a high takeout volume, they have been virtual. As we're seeing in so many sectors, I mean, technology is global. It doesn't respect borders, but product and experience can be very local and combining the two can be powerful. As we continue to wrestle with the pandemic, how do you see consumer trends changing and which ones do you think are going to be longer lasting? New demographics that have emerged. Our fastest growing segment of users is our users over 65 years old. Also important, this is I find this really interesting, that 80% of people that order from a restaurant have never visited the restaurant in person. They may know it exists, it's down the street. The person at the door who welcomes you home to your local restaurant and, you know, where there's a familiarity and sense of family, how do you translate that to an online ordering app? Um, and so we work closely with all restaurants to improve their uh, social media uh, visibility and uh, to talk directly to their potential customers. We all have our local favorites, but the pandemic is changing how we approach restaurants. Instead of going to the same place multiple times, we're using restaurants to discover new experiences from the comfort of our homes. Skip the Dishes data found that 80% of people who order on their app have never been to that restaurant in person. And their fastest growing segment is over the age of 65. These stats show that people are craving new rituals. And that underscores the critical importance of building brand personality in a digitally native way. It's not just about putting your menu online. It's about creating a unique experience that your customers will remember. What are we eating differently? I think for us, we're excited about a lot of things. <laughs> so much has changed. There's a couple of things that I think are interesting is there's 7,500 uh, cocktail and meal kits have been ordered from restaurants since March. So, you know, creating these kits, these packages, you know, packaging up, creating solutions, I think is something that we weren't necessarily, uh, restaurants weren't necessarily focused on it because you know, delivery, speaking to the delivery category is more making your full menu available or even a pared down menu available. Now they're thinking creatively about that. 5,300 produce boxes have been ordered from local restaurants and alcohol. I mean, alcohol stacking is what we had always wanted to do. So stacking just means I order my food and I'm able to order alcohol, beer, wine, along with my meal. And we weren't able to do that before uh, because of regulation. And you know, the other one is it's different times of day. Lunch was became just as important as dinner. And of course, finally desserts, you know, that we have no minimums. We've never had a minimum charge. So uh, 
If you can imagine a, you know, an ice cream dessert, whether it's a blizzard or something else to 10 o'clock at night, you know, people are taking advantage of that opportunity as well. Few people know how the pandemic affected restaurants better than restaurant owners. They were forced to pivot and take a digital first approach to survive. When Jenna Ray Cakes announced on social media that they had joined the Skip the Dishes platform, hundreds of orders flooded in, saving the business. My name is Ashley Ilchuk, and I'm a owner of Generate Cakes in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and we are a local bakery. When the pandemic hit, we had to make really quick decisions. We realized we really had to pivot quickly if we wanted to keep money coming in and keep our doors open. Before COVID, we only offered pickup, and we had thought about adding delivery as an option, but... We had never really been pushed to do it. We were busy enough just accepting local pickups. And then as soon as COVID hit, we realized that we needed to make ourselves as accessible as possible to everyone. So we decided to add delivery and we got in touch with Skip the Dishes right away and they were able to set us up on their network. And within two weeks, we were able to hire a few people back and kind of get the ball rolling again. But I think we broke a Skip the Dishes record in our first day of sales, our first hour of sales or something like that. COVID has just really shown us that we need to make ourselves as accessible as possible to everyone in terms of getting our product in their hands. And for us as a bakery, that is delivery, uh, a lot more pickup options, online ordering, all that good stuff. So we've been really rethinking about how to make ourselves more accessible. I love this story because it demonstrates resilience and a willingness to reinvent yourself. Back to Kevin. Digital is not about putting your menu on a screen. It's about providing solutions. You mentioned the cocktail mix. I mean, that came from someone, presumably, who had that solutions mindset. How do we help the great restaurant operators of this country make that shift? And I suspect most of them are going to have a blended model. They'll have the physical restaurants still. But the convenience of this, ordering anything, anytime, is pretty hard to go back on. How do the smart restaurateurs best approach this blended model? I think, first of all, delivery has emerged as a really critical part of their business because of the pandemic. I think it was going there anyway. And we create a platform and an environment and bring customers to those restaurants. They have to think about the customer in light of, of delivery. You may never see them in your restaurant, as I pointed out. Only 20% may ever visit your restaurant. How do you speak to them? You know, how do you express your art digitally is a real challenge, but it, you know, it comes down to um, using all aspects of digital media, be able to talk directly to those customers. I've been asked who owns the customer. I think we all do. I think we create a platform and an environment and it's up to the restaurant to express their art directly to a customer. Uh, we can provide the data on what is selling the most in their particular area. And then it's up to them to meet the opportunity that that's there for them. We want restaurants to open. They may open up in a different way. They may open up, uh, you know, at 50% and long-term people will always, I think, be affected by the pandemic. Why is it important to you for restaurants to survive? Because presumably they're a source of food that you're in existence to deliver. We are a convenience. Our mission is to bring the restaurant experience home. I just think it would be an incredible degree of hubris to think that Skip can pick up the ball now and restaurants never open again and satisfy, you know, not only convenience, but desire and sustain an entire industry going forward. It was never designed for that. 
as a result of the pandemic, we will continue to be an ever-increasing source of not only revenue, but exposure for an industry. I personally, and this is pre-COVID, I dine out two, three times a week. I have my favorites. I have my local heroes, the people that I like to see each week. I think that's what we all get out of restaurants. It's a sense of family, a sense of home. It's in your neighborhood. It's personal to me, as it is personal to just about every restaurant owner. Absolutely. What does the new normal look like? I think the pandemic has definitely brought some trial. There's going to be most of the new customers that have joined who would never have considered delivery. They're going to exist long term. You know, their occasions may change. They may not be ordering three, four times a week. They may order once. And so for the restaurant industry, I don't think that's going away. So I think the new normal will be a continued reliance on all these new demographics and new occasions and new sizes of restaurant orders and meal kits. And But the new normal may be others, categories continuing to look to delivery. But I think the new normal is going to be you're looking to you know logistics to delivery platforms for much broader range of consumer uh, demand. That's a great way to wrap up and see how the food business is evolving, see how our relationship with restaurants in some ways won't change. And that's great. But in other ways, it has changed and will continue to evolve, allowing us to get the kind of food we want. Kevin, thank you so much for being part of RBC Disruptors. It's my pleasure. Thanks for asking me. After speaking with Kevin, I started thinking about what the pandemic truly means for restaurant owners, for restaurant lovers like myself, and for the Canadian economy. From our conversation, there were five main points that stood out to me. Number one, food delivery isn't a threat to restaurants. It's an opening to new markets. Most consumers who use Skip have never been to the restaurant they order from. They're also ordering items, desserts and cocktail kits, for instance, they might never pick when dining out and they're ordering at hours they'd never consider for dining out, from lunchtime in their neighborhood to late at night across town. Number two, restaurants need to become digital natives. To access these new customers, restaurants need to do more than put their menus online. They need to harness social media to reach customers and build followings, and mine data to understand what the market wants. Number three, the future of restaurants is a hybrid. The explosion of delivery doesn't mean people don't want to dine out. The atmosphere of restaurants, the aromas, the vibe, the ambiance, those will keep us going out to eat. But the restaurants that thrive will be the ones that draw people in and also reach out to them. Number four, Canada has tech talent, plenty of it, but we need scale. Skip is one of Canada's most successful tech companies with 2000 employees in Winnipeg. They've built a world-class platform and are now part of a global network of food delivery companies, and that will give them scale and data that they'll need to continue to thrive. And number five, restaurants are about more than data. They're part of a community's fabric, places where neighbors commune. They're also major employers. The sector is one of the biggest first-time employers right across the country, and they spend more than $30 billion annually on food from agricultural suppliers, many of them local producers. Their prosperity in a disrupted age is vital not only to restaurateurs, it's critical to all of our communities. COVID-19 has altered, perhaps permanently, how we interact with our local restaurants. As we see the continued adoption of platforms like Skip, 
The real challenge will be how restaurants adapt to a virtual world. This pivot won't be easy, but there are massive opportunities for innovators who are willing to give it a shot. Thank you for listening to RBC Disruptors, our ongoing conversation about innovation and how we can reimagine the Canadian economy in this time of unprecedented change. If you like this episode, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and chat with us on Twitter using the hashtag RBC Disruptors. We'd love to hear your ideas and where you'd like to take the conversation in future episodes. Until next time, I'm John Stackhouse, and this is RBC Disruptors. This episode was created by the RBC Thought Leadership Group and produced by Quill and Origins Media House. The content of this podcast was based on information available at the time of recording and should not be construed as a recommendation for any investment, product, service, or company.